0: Welcome to Lonely Girls, a podcast dedicated to examining, archiving, and applauding the loneliest girls in media and pop culture history. My name is Madeline Turner, the first, and it's not my fault. There's a curse on my family. And I'm joined with my podcast host, Rebecca Botter, the second. The second, I, I literally am the second. I, no, you are the second. I
1: am the second. My mom's <gasps> name is also famously Rebecca
0: Rebecca Botter, mm-hmm. who is unfortunately having to dig a hole as tall as she is. It's, it's not going to be easy. And we are here in this barren wasteland known as planet Earth, attempting to reverse generational trauma through magic m- m- mysticism and m- mythology mythology nice what's that thing
1: where it's like american mythology tall tales is that what it's called yeah yeah, yeah. tall tales
0: yeah uh, uh american folklore tall tales yes i i uh, i appreciate the the medium of a tall tale.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I and I do think that the media that we're covering today is definitely, I would say, a perfect example of American folklore. Mm-hmm. A uh mythology, if you will, a tall tale. Yeah. I I guess sort of a something that we might need to dig into. Oh. <laughs> Nice one, Maddie. That was really Thank good. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: So this week we're going to be talking about Lewis Sackers' book and also his screenplay turned very famous, wonderful movie, Holes. Can I tell the story of you? Co- can I say that you're on Viviance? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay so <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so <laughs> all right. So y'all, this all came about Two Mondays ago, I get a call from Maddie, which usually we schedule our calls, um, but yes. famously both of us are usually callable. And yeah. um, I got a call from Maddie and I was like, oh, hi, what is it? And she goes, Rebecca, I just took my ants and I think we need to do holes next week on the podcast. And yeah. um, that is how we
0: came to where we are now. I felt so strongly about it because it was something that came up like very offhandedly uh, while we were recording the episode prior, and it it was just something that I felt so deeply about that I could not not force Rebecca to to do have this be yeah to have this be the topic of
1: our episode. Because- this week. The two of us are usually on the same page about things. And then sometimes one of us will like jokey soft pitch something that we want the other yeah. one to get excited about and they don't. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, one of us comes forward with so much excitement that the other mm-hmm. one doesn't have it in us <laughs> to like to let shoot them, down. them down. And I, d- I wasn't anti- um, no, but it was just sort of like, Oh, okay. But I was like, Oh, okay. Um, okay. Maddie. It, yeah. 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 Let's go. Yes, and then that afternoon hold. I went
0: to the library and I picked up the book holes. So, um, so before we get, before we dig in to, so um, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get into the real, the real dirt of this, um, media spectacle we of course have to cover and hash out our lonely girl moment of the week so i don't mine is more of like a theme mine is a broad theme so it all came about
1: after maddie and i famously did the princess bride last week and on the lead-up to the princess bride maddie made a little challenge where she just went you write it and i said Mm -hmm. i don't know and then she goes you do it not The Princess Mm -hmm. Bride, but then I started writing, and then, y'all, pretty much all I've done is I'm either at my job, I'm with a friend, or I'm working on writing something. Maddie, this is like a lonely girl, but in a positive way.
0: No, I I was just about to be like, yeah, you hot bitch. Of course you're, of course all you're doing is working, writing, and, like, networking. And and also
1: (laughs) – what else would you want to be doing obsessing and so there was a cute moment where i think lonely girls i'm sharing our cute moment from earlier maddie um oh yeah yeah where i was sitting there and i like i like famously work at paper source and so (laughs) (laughs) i famously work at paper source paper source sponsor me and um or sponsor the podcast. And I came home and I was writing and I got to this scene where I kept thinking like, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And I never did. And I felt this like need to grab my phone. And I was like, no, Rebecca, if you call Maddie, y'all are just going to talk for two hours and then start recording the podcast. No, you have things to do. And then I was like, no, no. And I just grabbed my phone and I was like, Honey, I don't know how to make this not be boring and stupid. Because it has to accomplish this certain goal. And Maddie immediately was like, say your side of it.
0: I was just like, okay, so um, behind the scenes, I was also writing. I've been writing. Yes, I know we're in a writer's strike. I don't want to talk about it. We're, we're, um, but i personally writing. We are personally okay. writing, which is what we're allowed to do right now. We're writing for us. And so I was also writing and I also had gotten to a, a point in my sort of the layout for a very specific scene that I I just needed someone's someone else's outside opinion on. And honestly, the only person's opinion I wanted on it was Rebecca. And I was like, I can't call her because she's going to be at work and this isn't something I can text to her. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll wait until she's off work. And then we can talk about like, before we record the podcast, literally, literally like three seconds later, my phone rings and it's Rebecca. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Oh no. Like sort of active survival mode engaged. And she said to me, Maddie, I am struggling with this one specific scene. And I was like, shut your stupid mouth. I'm struggling with a scene, and so we just got to um, and we like be she, little creative fairy godmothers to one another. And I think,
1: honestly, y'all, if anything, our podcast might be a sham because I just I don't <laughs> think anything. I don't think anyone fixes my writing like problems as quickly as Maddie. And I, I don't feel think the same
0: way about Rebecca.
1: <laughs> I I fix Maddie's things faster. Her her manager bought me a fake tennis bracelet once because I asked for mm. one because he was like, I've never seen Maddie get as much work done as yeah. you being there for 10 minutes. So anyways, literally, yeah. we might pretend to be friends for the rest of our lives
0: because Just like so work-wise, we, um, we, we get so yeah. much
1: more done. We
0: get, we, yeah. And I, you know what? I think that's a really beautiful part of being of being a lonely girl, being a creative lonely girl is finding someone who gets your not just you know your fun sort of like social aspect but like the creative aspect it's really hard to find that and when you do it's like a sometimes we take it for granted but in moments like this it's like oh well thank goodness I have my emergency Rebecca button
1: (laughs) I'm so glad I have my second brain just in the
0: fridge (laughs) exactly to just sort of like ooh, this one's not working that well right now um let me let me tap in let me if
1: I was refreshed and I didn't hate myself
0: (laughs) (laughs) what what would I do do? what idea would I come up with um okay so that's that's like That's my cute little
1: lonely girl moment is about two hours ago with you. Okay, So tell me, tell me yours,
0: Maddie. Um, My lonely girl moment of the week, it was sort of spawned from I'm trying to enjoy evenings at my house alone, just me by myself, really indulging in simple, simple joys, simple pleasures. And what I've discovered is the perfect recipe for that is mindless entertaining tv and sort of like physical hands-on activity so that might be a puzzle that might be um i don't know crocheting it might be some sort of craft in this case it was creating a tiny little model home Mm -hmm. that i had um purchased for myself like maybe almost a year ago a set, like a a model building set uh, that I never built because why would I until I needed it and now Mm -hmm. I need it. So my perfect TV show of mindless slash entertaining is the Y2K sort of moment of the millennium hellscape, uh, sort of Squid Games before Squid Games became Squid Games, America's Next Top Model. It really is Squid Games. It really is there is no It is psychological. No sadder show. It's the only difference is that there is no there is no host that has decided that they will be the face of the Squid Games in the way that Tyra Banks is like, I will be the face of this televised torture of beautiful women. It's like drag race but sad. It's like drag race but um nineteen year old girls and cultural appropriation it's yeah wild all that to say i have been watching i i have sort of the the this is on the podcast exclusive but i have a sort of script that i'm percolating in my brain that is taking from the world of america's next top model all that to say my beautiful roommate Noah was going to a rave with some of his friends and they all met here. These are all boys and they're like early to mid 20s. And I am sitting on the couch sort of assembling my tiny miniature model home, watching Tyra Banks. Just sort of like uh just sort of lobotomize these young Young, skinny women um, and torture them on television. And these boys come over and they, you know, they, they say hi. And they sit on the couch and they start watching America's Next Top Model. And Rebecca, I kid you not, within like five minutes, they are so invested in this TV show. They've never seen America's Next Top Model before. They were like, whoa, this is America's Next Top Model? That's Tyra Banks? I've only ever heard of it because they're only 24 years old. And (laughs) they ended up, like, being late for – they weren't the late they they weren't you're not late for a rave there's no way you, you can't you be can't be late for a, for a rave but they were later than they, they were they left they about thought an, they were going to they be left about an hour and a half later than they thought they were gonna leave because they had to finish out the season they had to figure out whether or not Anastasia won. won and she didn't and it's okay <laughs> it's okay but it was a very, Spoiler. I was like, wow, this is, it was so fun watching America's Next Top Model with them because they're like, they were just so floored. They were like, this is horrible. they were like, wait, but I thought Jasleen had like a really good photo. And it was beautiful. <laughs> it was like, it was so beautiful. And I loved it so much. And I was a little sad when they left because I was like, oh, it's yeah. not as fun watching America's Next Top Model without... These stupid, silly boys. boys. Anyways, speaking of
1: boys. (laughs) Speaking of
0: stupid, sweet, silly boys. Speaking of stupid, sweet, silly boys just uh, getting involved in uh, situations that they aren't familiar with and sort of discovering a treasure from um, days past. We're talking about holes today. We're talking about holes, like a couple of gynecologists. <laughs> I told Maddie before <laughs> we started. I was like,
1: "We can't, we can't make dirty jokes, or I can't say, I can't say bad, weird stuff, because sometimes I do make it weird, and because mm-hmm. um, this is holes." Holes. um i'm gonna keep We're just i'm gonna... gonna keep prefacing it holes by lewis schaefer nope um i'm just <laughs> lewis Schaefer. lewis sacker. sacker sacker i hardly sack know her. her sack her okay um so i'm just gonna keep saying lewis holes by lewis sacker
0: holes like by to like lewis make it sacker.
1: as as not silly as possible based on the novel um, pushed
0: by sapphire that's a joke. That's a, oh wow, that's I I can't believe you don't know that joke. What it's is when the is film it? Precious came out. I never saw it's, it. A, you don't it just seems so loud. It's it's a lot. But in the commercials, it was like stipulated that in any of the advertising it was precious based on the novel Push by Sapphire. And so uh-huh. during the time this is like one of Stefan's earliest uh, SNL appearances. Mm-hmm. He's like, New York's hottest club is meh. And then and so then he's like, based on the novel Push by Sapphire, <laughs> this dilapidated dungeon. Um, and so I don't know that based on the novel Push by Sapphire is like one of my favorite. It is very much Leon the Professional, the musical. It is, yes. Yes. Um, so we're talking about holes based yeah. on the knob. The novel Holes by Lewis Sacker. Sacker. So we're talking about Holes. So
1: let's, Maddie, what is, <laughs>
0: what are Holes? Your connection to this piece? To this piece of media. I'm going to just keep saying piece. Peace. This I book, guess. this film. I feel like you might have the same experience that I do when it comes to the book. But I, like, I feel like Holes was just sort of there in the ether of like Mm -hmm. being a a child in in the American school system. It was just there. It was a book I was always going to read. My parents read us a lot of books. We would all pile, pile onto a big old couch and they would sit and they would read us different books. And I think they were trying to like give us a leg up in school because they always seemed to choose books that they knew we would inevitably read be reading like the next year but my parents read holes i loved holes i thought it was great i was like this is such a like i don't think there was any there was ever any challenge in consuming like the narrative of the book and Mm -hmm. i think like we were eight nine when the movie came out so it really like we didn't have to wait that long It kind of felt like as Holes was being introduced to me as a book concept, it was like, well, lucky for you, right here, right now, they're making it into a film. So don't you worry your pretty head. You'll be able to consume this via visual media versus having to actually read it. But both are great. And I loved both of them. What about you? Um, so okay here's the thing is I
1: don't have a visceral memory of reading Holes Mm. I definitely did and I remember really liking it but I had this visceral memory of I was in middle school PE and a girl was like have you read this sequel to Holes oh which no one talks about and she was like it's really good and then I read it and I was like this is really good. Now that is the um, extent. That's the, that's the critique from a, a girl in middle school right. who had the uh, most AR points in eighth grade. Wow, um, of the whole school.
0: Wow. But um,
1: thank you. Not the whole school. Um, so mm-hmm. so in middle school, really, my critique of the the book Small Steps was this is really good, which it's just mm-hmm. armpit taking care of a girl who at one point has an epileptic episode. Is that the right word? Where she like has a seizure on the front row. And then she meets this uh, pop star and he saves her from being attacked by her manager at one point. And um, and then at the end, he hears her voice on the radio and the voice is small but not broken. And that's it. That's all I remember. And it's really stuck with me. Anyways, I think about the sequel to Holes a lot. And I haven't read it in a very long time. Um, so <laughs> But but you didn't think about you, the, the original <laughs> narrative you know, work, Holes. Listen, it's very viscerally in me from middle school. So I had to tell everyone, if you too know Holes to exists, aka small steps, please write in. Because I've never heard please anyone except for that girl in middle
0: school mail pe- us a letter. Uh, a letter we in will a not picture you an address of you holding <laughs> the book. Holds <laughs> two. Holds two. Okay, so for those of you who do not know, um, I'm sorry if you don't. I. It's such a nice, easy read. If you're like, I didn't never read one holes. Evening. It's literally. It is. I'm not gonna. I don't want to be like. Oh, it is saddest. You did you know holes. People, you did some holes and. You know those people who do like, holes and when. In one, in one no, evening?
1: when you were like, <laughs> you know, if you're one of those. Who's like (laughs) just the people in the street just going around shouting? (laughs) I've never
0: read Holes. Hey, I've never. I didn't go to school for Holes. I didn't go to school for maths. You know, if you're one of those people, yeah, um, and you don't know anything about the book or the film Holes, the synopsis is. The book centers on Stanley Yelnats, who is sent to Camp Green Lake, a correctional boot camp in a desert in Texas, after being falsely accused of theft. The plot explores the history of the area and how the actions of several characters in the past have affected Stanley's life in the present. So. That's sort of like the vaguest way of describing it.
1: Holes ever. Well, how, and I just... Yeah. One thing I should have said in the preface. I think I probably saw Holes intentionally the film once. And yeah. then the book I read once. And I enjoyed it. I got the gist. But that's it. So then when I reread the book last week, I was really surprised at how there's this light touch to it. There's this... um magical, definitely magical realism to it and it's actually a much lighter read and I think that contrast is why the book got so much acclaim initially is it's not just like life is hard, this is hard, this is bad. It's actually like a child in very real time experiencing this very traumatic experience that he will be going to therapy for later. So Maddie, when was... The book released, and then when did the movie come out?
0: So the book was released. Uh, Louis Sacker wrote the book, published it in 1998. And what's insane, you and I know the film industry. I mean, famously, you and I know the – famously, we know the film industry. It only took five years for it to be released in theaters. That's wild. So I imagine, like, the product – the actual filming process – actually do know this. The filming process took 10 weeks in total – Mm -hmm. Um, But pre-production, probably, like, anywhere between, like, one to two years. Mm -hmm. So the fact that there was a book published, a script written, a a cast assembled, a production actually happened in the the span of ten weeks, and then a film advertised and sort of, like, put out to the world in five years – is so insane so hold on hold on you said a okay. script written but famously, yes, did but famously there was written there were two scripts written for holes so lewis sacker was eventually uh, hired to write the screenplay adaptation of his own book which is something we'll talk about in a little bit. But originally, before Lewis Sacker came in on the film side, the Donnie Darko director, Richard Kelly, wrote a script adapting Holes. And I, I haven't read it. I kind of want to. I think I might, you know, dive into it. But it's this sort of, like, weird post-apocalyptic. It's way skewed, much, much for a, a more adult audience. And I think they were really excited about having Richard Kelly come in and adapt this book, and it turned into something that was so not the original source material mm. that they were like, "Ah, we gotta pivot back towards a, a, a more um, a more holistic place." And I think you and I have talked about book adaptations. We talk about this all the time. It's something well, that means a we lot. Talked to us. We talked about books, and also famously, we just did *The Princess Bride*, which was also. The screenplay was written
1: by the author of the original
0: book, which is famously the reason reason why we started even uh, discussing this book is because to me, this is one of the best and to a lot of people, this is one of the best book to film adaptations. And I think it's because the author of the book wrote the screenplay. And I listened to a lot of interviews with Lewis Sacker this week. And one of the things that I loved that he said in most of his interviews, it seems like he has kind of like a cut and dry sort of explanation. He's sick of talking about this, but he's like, I didn't write the script to be a a page for page adaptation. I just wanted to write like a really good movie. Mm. I think it's really important. Someone who understands and appreciates the visual medium and Louis It It's surprising to me that more of his books haven't been adapted onto screen.
1: because
0: mm-hmm. He does seem to have a really great sensibility for the visual medium.
1: I, it, I exactly, when I went to his IMDb, I was like, oh, surely he'll have more credits to his name. And he had like a few, but... Doesn't even seem like projects he was particular. It seems like he wrote some things for some cartoons in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, passively, yeah. and it doesn't really seem like it's something he's pursuing. Because I don't think he wants to be in the film industry. He just no, he, wanted I think he was- no one to. He just didn't want anyone to mess up his his book exactly. And that was like it. listen.
0: He's like, it, it. I feel like. uh Not all of us can win Newbery medals and and not all of us can have those awarded books be transformed into feature films. And so I completely understand him uh, wanting to do a really good job by it and really being satisfied with the work that he did kind of overall.
1: Through the Newbery winners off the top of my head. And The Giver and Ellen Enchanted have both been turned into films. But, but that's interesting because Ellen Enchanted famously is in my top three books um, of my childhood. And um, very different than the movie. and But very. still beloved. Uh, still beloved. But um, though I would eventually like to see another adaptation where it actually sticks to the book. Because the book is amazing. Yes. Um, and I then agree. The Giver, the other one I can think of off Horrible. the top of my head... Is horrible. Famously has Meryl Streep in it, and this horrible. And they tried to make it into like a
0: dystopian, dystopian, raunchy film. Which actually, it's like a very quiet, strange. It's like a honestly. I think if there was a director out there who was meant to adapt The The Giver, Giver, it would be (gasps) Yorgos. Yeah.
1: So we've been talking about the Newberry adaptations. So what was wrong
0: with the first screenplay of Holes? I think it was just, I think a lot of times when we look at a book and especially during that time, I think our ability in terms of filmmaking has really, really, really just sort of exponentially exploded in recent years in terms of like what we're capable of filming on like a on like an easy level without it being a blockbuster Mm -hmm. i think that's why we have this huge influx of superhero films is because our cgi our access to cgi our access to special effects our access to these like more elevated terms of filmmaking were uh, have become so much more accessible in recent years. And so a lot of times when a production company was presented with a piece of IP that was like the written word, a lot of times I think it was expected that you would take sort of bits and pieces from it and you would work it into something that could be easily filmed. Or you would work it into something that worked for your specific aesthetic as a director because you could get funding for whatever project you wanted. And I think they didn't realize that the hubris of Richard Kelly was that he needed to change this children's book so much in order to be entertaining for an adult audience. And I think what's so incredible about the film and what was, and the book itself, obviously, and what was reinvigorated within me as we were watching and consuming this week was like, this is such a, this is like by far, just like it's a perfect story, mm-hmm. it's a perfect story, and the fact that it's so simply translated from page to screen in kind of like a very straightforward way, it, it's a great watch as an adult. There's no part of it that feel, except for a couple like really um, overhanded voiceovers. I
1: <laughs> I have actually added to our um our notes. Um, Maddie, if you check your phone, one is Bones to Pick, um, <laughs> which is a little section Bones on one pick. of my favorite, uh, podcasts called The Rewatchables, and at the end of these, uh, episodes where these people talk about films they've rewatched many times that they love, Beautiful. um, and then, then they do the Bones to Pick, which is them Bones just going off on things they just are like, why did you do that, dude?
0: Um, so anyways, I think, I think the thing that works really, really well with this is that it's a very simple idea mm-hmm. that it is presented to you in a really simple way that, ex- that keeps expanding and keeps expanding, but never does so in a way where you, the audience is lost. Yeah. Every time there's some new level uncovered, it's like, <gasps> You feel like you're in it. You feel excited. You feel um, in on in on the joke. You feel in on the the secret. So, uh, and I think as a child,
1: this is one of my first films or books ever, where I because I, I think I read the book first. I definitely think I read the book first. Um, where so there are really three storylines, y'all. So there is the storyline following Stanley, and Stanley has been sent to Camp Green Camp Lake. Gr-
0: Yes. um and it's for is it um like a is it like juvenile it's a juvenile sort of like it's a juvenile correction camp yes uh a juvenile correct correction facility where instead of going to juvie you go to this camp it is sort of like a troubled youth uh center mm-hmm. but it is not something that uh you get your parents pay for exactly it's something that the law sends you to and stanley has a choice of either going to juvie, juvie or going to camp, or camp green, green lake,
1: lake. and yeah. he very innocently is like well i've never been to camp before and then he's there and at this camp just simplifying it they all have to dig a hole that is five feet deep and five feet wide every single day and that's kind yeah. of the – and he has to do it for 18 months.
0: And holes build character. And Digging holes. holes builds character in a young man. Specifically, it is a camp just for boys. There's mm-hmm. not a girl alternative to this camp. And – Do you want to uh, explain like sort of, the
1: – Go ahead. No. Do you want to explain – I feel like you'll do a really great job then telling the second stream of the story, which is KB – um, oh, yeah.
0: Well, yes. I think one thing I really love and I think one thing that's like, I don't know, I, I love the idea of like someone being cursed. Mm-hmm. I think there's someone who like blames stuff on a, a, a sort of spiritual entity a sort of uh, a thing that's outside of their control Uh, but stanley like very quickly references the fact that he is he's always been unlucky his father's been unlucky his grandpa his grandpa's grandpa has been unlucky because their family the yell are cursed uh because of his no good dirty rotten pig-stealing great-great-grandfather who made a deal With a woman named Madame Zeroni back in Latvia where he wanted to marry this woman and her father would only give her up to the man who would procure the largest pig, the fattest pig. And uh, a local woman named Madame Zeroni said, I'll give you this little piglet if you carry them up and back down the mountain, let them drink from this stream, sing them a song like you do, mm-hmm. um, the pig will grow and then you are able to marry this girl that you want to marry. So my, my one stipulation is that when you have achieved your goal and you have given up this fat pig, you must remember to carry me up the mountain so I can drink from the well because this, the, the water at the top of the mountain has healing properties in Latvia apparently this does not go to plan. Elia Yelnats is a a young idiot boy and he falls for a a young idiot woman like we do. Mm -hmm. And she is not, she doesn't really want to marry him that much. And he's so upset, even though he has a pig that is ample in size, he's so upset. He immediately takes off. He gets on a ship, goes towards America and, it only is, isn't until he's halfway across the Atlantic that he remembers that he was supposed to carry Madame Zeroni up on the mountain. And one thing that she let him know, just cautiously, just sort of a, In, a pre- and passively. Passively was like, if you don't do this, Elia Yelnats, you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity. And he's like, I'm um, that lady was probably crazy. I'm going to go to America. I'm well, going... One thing, though, I love about that bit of storytelling is he
1: didn't intentionally be like, that woman's crazy. I'm going to ignore that. He is, like, on the boat. It's sailing away. And he's like, oh, shoot. Oh, my shoot. God. Shit. I forgot. And he he's like, she's a nice lady, and I feel really bad. It'll be Okay. But, like, he did not intentionally leave it, like,
0: he realized it no, too late. No, he was just, like, he, I think he was just being young and dumb, like, we do. I think like he just, do. he was heartbroken, he was a, and I think he was that, heartbroken, and he had to go to America, and one thing I like that they don't really sort of scrub at too much, that I remembered when I read the book, is that. He tries – the reason why he goes to, the, to America is because Madame Zeroni's son mm-hmm. went to America before him. And she was like, don't marry this dumb girl. Go to America. It's great. It's great. America's awesome. Go. Mm. And so he remembers that he wronged Madame Zeroni in a way. And when he's in America, even before he settles down, he like – he's constantly looking for Madame Zeroni's son so he can like – break the curse or, like, at least get some word Mm -hmm. back to her. So he is – he's not a bad guy. He's just – he just made an unfortunate decision. Mm -hmm. And as we know from our Miyazaki episode, there are no good or bad people. There are just consequences. There are decisions and consequences. Yes. So that is Stanley Yelnats' no-good, dirty, rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather. And – the he, he's sort of known in his bones from the, the, the day he was born, in the same way that we knew about holes from the day we were born. Uh, it's just always been there. His his lack of luck has always been there. And it's something that feels very ingrained within him. It's just sort of this inescapable thing that that his father has given to him, that his grandfather has given to him. And... I think one of the reasons why I like Stanley as a character is he doesn't really like, he's never like, Oh, this is so unfair that like this happened. He's like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm cursed. I've, I've got a a great, great grandfather who did some really dumb stuff. And so that's on me. Sorry guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's inevitable. It was going to happen anyways. And alongside of that we have our storyline three which does involve the yelnats lineage in a interesting way one of the things that stanley knows about his heritage is that his great grandfather was robbed by a notorious female outlaw named kate barlow or kissin Um, kate barlow Perfect. Which is honestly, what a great name. What a great, what a great villain, if you will. And I
1: love that. And we'll get to all of them, but like, oh, so we have Madame Zeroni. Now we have Kiss and Kate Barlow. And um, then inevitably we have the warden. Then we have the warden. So in each of these three storylines is a very
0: powerful, um, almost antagonist. Yeah, antagonistic <laughs> woman with like almost too much agency. A little bit too much and it <laughs> doesn't matter too much. <laughs> it doesn't matter the time period, she's out to get you. She's out to get you, and like she could have helped you. She could have been great, but you just made the wrong choice and, in that situation. And I think
1: it's a unique choice that um Lewis didn't just once go like, oh yeah, there's this one woman. Who's kind of difficult? Oh, there's this one. He's like, no, he's like, this is intentional. I'm doing it three times.
0: I'm doing one book. You can't escape her. That was definitely something that I know Rebecca and I loved about Mm -hmm. the book and the movie. Is just like the great female characters. I don't think it was something that I really thought about that much, which I think is Mm -hmm. an indication of like a really well written character that happens to be female mm-hmm. is it's just not something that you think about but in our third storyline we have kissing Kate Barlow who is an outlaw who robbed uh Stanley Yelnats the first mm-hmm. yes Stanley Yelnats the first of, of his entire fortune that would have been trickled down into uh, the generational wealth that our main protagonist, Stanley Yelnats IV, would have had, but instead his family is so poverty-stricken. They're living in a tiny apartment and his dad is a terrible inventor. Like, really. It's quite charming charming to be an inventor, and you're bad at it. It's very um, Beauty and the Beast coded. Absolutely. But so we we have Stanley, who's got this lack of luck from a generational curse. He has this knowledge of his great-great-grandfather, who was cursed by a woman named Madame Zaroni, mm-hmm. And then his great-grandfather, whose entire wealth was stolen by a woman named, an outlaw named Kissing Kate Barlow. And then a couple of generations more. And then he himself, who is sent to, this juvenile correctional facility for a crime that he did not commit that he that the the evidence is just clearly stacked against him and when he gets to this camp sort of the pieces of everything start forming together and you get this really lovely really satisfying that's the word i was gonna say satisfying it's such a satisfying ending and it doesn't really feel like anything is, oh, like, heavy-handed mm-hmm. or, like, a a, sh- a sort of, like, easy shoehorn in. Mm-hmm. Whenever there's sort of, like, one more piece kind of, like, connected together, you're like, oh, my gosh. It's very satisfying to it's see. It's really well done. Even, even if, yeah. like, I guess,
1: I mean, you know, like, oh, this is a good kid. These are the bad guys. Obviously, the good kid is going to prevail over the bad guys. You know yeah. that. But also because of the stakes, which is that they're in a juvenile correctional um facility camp where and where the stakes are very high. Like there's at one point, spoiler, if you haven't read or watched holes, this is on you. You're like yeah, forty at this something point, this minutes is on you. Yeah. into a podcast yeah, like, about holes. Come on. Come we are on. gonna ruin it for you. <laughs> but um they make fun of the kids like, okay, you can run away. Guys, but um, you're not going to last more than three days out there because there is no water. So good luck to you. And that actually, like, it raises the stakes a lot, knowing that the kids literally, like, it is life or death. And then the longer you're here at Camp Green Lake, you realize that, like, these people who are in charge are dangerous. Not just, like...
0: They, they're, they're not, not like, stri- bumbling. They're nope. not, like, just strict. They're, like, actually, like, 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 a person who's, like, just down on their luck, who, like, mm-hmm. hasn't really – I don't think anyone accidentally falls into working at a place like that. Mm-hmm. That is someone who, like, either enjoys that type of work mm-hmm. and that's a next level of, like, sadism or it's like, this is the only job I can get because no one else will hire me. Yeah. And also, I will say, like, this is a really hard job. And I
1: do think some people who begin a challenging job, like, who who's the guy that then calls is then called mom? Uh, Mr. Pendanski. Mr. Pendanski. And I do think there is something to be said about people who maybe don't come in. Maybe come in with the intentions of maybe almost a godlike complex who is like, I'm going to save these kids because I'm amazing. And doing this job and working with troubled teens is not easy. Your job is most likely an uphill battle at every moment. But because you didn't come in with it with the right intentions, you then end up becoming the problem. Um, Because Mm. then Mr. Pendanski becomes I think a worst version of himself.
0: Do you Do you know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. I don't think. I think it's. I think it's sort of a. It attracts a specific type of person, almost like a power-hungry person. Exactly. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we'll link this video in our socials because it's one of my favorite pieces of media that accompanies holes as a as a a, as a piece of work to consume Mm. um and it's about holes and the prison industrial pipeline and it raises a really like i don't i don't i actually know for a fact lewis sacker did not set out to write a really nuanced compelling argument for um sort of race relations poverty and in uh, incarcerated youths and sort of like the generational trauma that stems from uh, that type of environment but he he unintentionally wrote such an incredible piece of work that attempts to peel back the layers of the root of the problem Mm -hmm. in those ways so they talk about This video essay that we'll link, the video is called Holes and the Prison Industrial Complex. It discusses people in socioeconomically disadvantaged positions and then like sort of socially, racially disadvantaged positions and how their incarceration is pushed towards and used towards the financial benefit of a white individual and so if if the sort of uh, thesis of camp green like was in fact the we are helping boys build character by digging holes and when you dig a hole it makes you a better person and that's and that's all she wrote there might be an argument for that, but we eventually find out that the reason why Camp Green Lake exists is because the uh, sort of bounty that K- Kissing Kate Barlow, whose whose history and backstory we inevitably uncover over the uh, the saga of the story itself, her bounty is hidden somewhere beneath the dirt of of Camp Green Lake, beneath the what the it's the underbelly episode.
1: somewhere. Yeah, in the- she has
0: buried her treasure. Uh, the property. And the miles and miles. The property of Camp Green Lake, which at one point was an actual lake, mm-hmm. but then some not so cool stuff happened and it dried up. And the family that owned Camp Green Lake, the Walkers, destitute because their source of the, the town that they created their their resource their, their their lake their green lake has been dried up and so they are desperate to find kissing kate barlow's treasure mm. and it turns out in a, in a shocking turn of generationally traumatic events the granddaughter of uh, trout walker whose family owns owned owns this piece of land, is the warden. Yes. And she is, she has created this camp under the guise of a juvenile correction camp, but it is actually a means to gain free labor in order to profit from this free labor that these young men are giving her. While they are not going to school, they are getting fed nutritionally vapid, Meals Mm -hmm. and they are essentially providing free labor for nothing in return other than the mistakes of their youth, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunately a very direct correlation between the U.S. prison system right now and the way that inmates are treated and exploited for their labor Mm -hmm. not cool we will link the video the video essay we'll link the video essay on all of our socials i think it's a great watch the youtuber has a bunch of other great videos but this is one of my favorite of hers and i think i love i love that i i just think it's such a great book and on so many different levels, on a on like a very socio political level, and then also kind of like a literary fantastical level. It's, it's a great it's book. A, it's a
1: fantastic book, and I think. often- And you want to know what it also is? <gasps> what is it? It's a great movie. Maddie, do you think it's time for us to go into the the the, the filmmakers'
0: lens? Film
1: let's do it Yeah I think so let's do it. So Maddie and I famously were on the phone which felt very pure in like middle school to me like yeah like me and a friend like watching like Dancing with the Stars while on the phone with each other we didn't have much to say but we were on the phone and it felt very pure (laughs) like that to me as being on the phone and watching holes but he then did. at one point it did hit me after like 30 or so minutes I was like wow if someone just had the phone conversation of us raving about this film they would be like is this in the Criterion collection like is this an Oscar nominated is this an Oscar winning film which yeah. is also controversial opinion um it should have been nominated for something it's good it's a good, It's really
0: good. We're going to pick it's some bones, really, but it's really good. good. I have less bones than I've had to pick with Oscar-nominated films. Oh, you 100%. Know? And I think I've watched this film more than I've watched any Oscar-nominated film and it's not, in my life. It's not ironically good. I love things that No, are, it's actually good. It's just, if
1: you sat down someone who had never heard of this movie and said, I would be interested to like hear a few of their reactions to like some yeah. stuff that they just like I don't know, but in general,
0: I think this person would be like, this is this is a what good a great movie. film. Yeah. What a great film. And also both of us. Feast of the Southern Wild. Like it's it's got a very like indie. It's got a very textured. Very indie. Lived in feel. It's not. It doesn't feel like it's catering to children. And it's giving off. for like. Coen Brothers. Yes. It's giving very, very Coen, Coen Brothers. Brothers. That's what I was saying. I was going to say if there was any director that would do. That would like do holes again. I feel like. It's a little. Oh, brother. Bro- it's like, Oh, brother, where art thou? Which. Yeah. Well, and we have one of the actors from Oh, brother, where art mm-hmm. thou playing Mr. Pendansky. Mm-hmm. Famous. What I love about this film a lot is in terms of production-wise. So, it, as soon as it got the Newberry Award, it does seem like it, it very quickly was like, people were like, we want to make this. This is a. I can imagine they read this book and they were like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. we can make this book. And then there was a period of time where Richard Kelly was involved with it and they were waiting for that. And they were like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Sorry, Richard Kelly. And then they brought Lewis Sacker on. And by and the way, I, I the just director love on. the idea because I'm so,
1: as every creative is, so protective of their work. And I just love the idea of your like babies being taken away from you. And you're like, oh, yeah. Shoot, what have I done? You're and like, then you're like, no, no, oh no, God. just give the baby back. Just give the baby back. Shh. shh. No, I, no, I no, promise, it's... I know what to do with the baby. I promise. Okay. Shh. Okay. It's okay, baby. I've got. It, got. Just it, got it, got let it. me do it. I don't even know how to write a screenplay, but I promise you, <laughs> but I will write it. this screenplay better than anyone else can do it.
0: I think one of the things that makes this film so great mm-hmm. and such a delight to watch. Is how well it's cast so good. Like, I am more familiar with the film than I am the book, but re-listened to the audiobook. And as I was listening to it, I thought multiple times, the actors that they chose to play these parts, color them, like bring them to life in, in, in a way that I don't think that the book does as well i think it's a really well told story Mm -hmm. but the characters specifically i don't think feel grounded or real without the performances
1: and i do think there's something to be said and i'm very sorry if any of the people in holes as adults wanted to continue to be actors and then didn't get to sorry sorry but I think there is something to be said of like a child actor sometimes when they come in, play one role beautifully, so well, and then you never see them again because it almost you're just kind of like, yeah, that was X-ray. You know, like it's like yeah. they were born to be X-ray or Armpit or Zigzag. Zigzag and then or they a just magnet. disappear, you know? And I it think truly is an amazingly beautifully cast movie. And one thing I do want to say real fast is if you would have told me that the director was married to Sigourney Weaver or Patricia Arquette, I would have believed you. Uh, or Eartha Kitt. Or Eartha Kitt. I would Kitt, have believed you. Because the amount of stars, <sighs> like straight up Oscar nominated stars that are in this movie for oh. like... Bit part, bit parts. They're side
0: characters, yeah. like you've great got, side characters. Got, but uh, what's his face? The dad, the dad, John Voight. You've got John Voight in it. Like, you've got, you've got, um, uh, 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 uh a Fonzie. Oh my God, you've why? Got I'm, Henry Fonzie. Winkler. You've got Henry Winkler. Yeah, you've got to say a Fonzie, and then your brain goes, and, you oh, Henry, Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler. <laughs> I think one of the things. Uh, that works really well about this film is that it's not I think okay I think what this film does is that it trusts the audience in a way that is really hard to get nowadays Mm. and I think that oftentimes it's less about a director not trusting the audience or a writer or something, but it's the uh, the, the higher powers that be, not, not trusting the audience. Mm-hmm. And what I love is that the powers that be trusted the director and the director trusted the screenwriter and the screenwriter trusted his original work. And I think that's why it feels so good is because it's very cohesive mm-hmm. from point A to point Z. Also, like every f- nothing really feels that out of place. The music feels right, the costuming feels right. That was something that we talked about a lot when we were on the phone. Is yeah. we're like, okay, these costumes are amazing. Yeah, very like they like even giving Stanley a red
1: ball cap feels yeah. very like main character energy. Yes, but especially not amongst too all on the like the nose, the gray dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's such a good and I I love what you just said about Sacker saying like how Sacker trusted his own work. He didn't try to improve upon it. He didn't try to make it more cinematic. He was just he just did the best job anyone could do of taking that piece of fiction and putting it on the screen. Um, You did hit on the music for a second. Mm-hmm. And I just immediately heard Keeping It Real just flood <laughs> through my system. And I forgot on my little CD player, it was red oh, and yeah. it looked like a ladybug. I don't oh. know what CD I had, but Keeping It but Real. You had Keeping It Real. Oh, and then I had the headphones that went around the back of my head, <gasps> not
0: on the yes. top of my head. No, no, no. They had to go around the back because they were more ergonomic efficient because it, we were running because you looked like a spy if you had it that way I mean do, we don't listen we don't
1: even talk in, about in it in 2003 we all wanted to be a spy but
0: okay. so
1: okay. and also I will say I did think Dig It by Raven Simone was in Holes and I looked it up it's in Lion King 1.5 which came oh. out in 2004 which makes wow. sense that why I got confused. Because she was talking the, about digging and yeah. they came out very it close make together.
0: It well, so I, I would say, actually, we didn't talk about this, but now that we are talking about it, I famously. think the thing that – famously. The thing that I remember the most about Holes was listening to Radio Disney mm-hmm. and the dig it on, on, dig it, dig it on, mm-hmm. on, on yeah. They play that song over and over and over again. And honestly, so it, it like it starts off the film, which I love. Like there's something haunting about young boys singing kind of like, for lack of a better word, like. Kind of like. A chain gang song? Oh, it's absolutely. I didn't know the word until you said it, but it's totally a chain gang song. The film is kind of critiquing the American prison system Mm -hmm. as a whole. As a whole.
1: I know every time we say like holy or holes (laughs) or anything,
0: I'm just like, like I just think it to myself. But the song is so good. And what I love, hey, it's a great song b they had the actual boys mm-hmm. that they cast sing that song and i remember the behind the scenes videos and they were so into it like they were so just like this is our song and we're rapping but it isn't
1: it that all the boys sing though on it for the credits correct
0: no they sing, they sing on it in the beginning that like but then the rap section
1: when they all is- rap though yeah, that's all the
0: boys. Okay. It's like all the boys. It's all the boys I've loved before.
1: Mm-hmm. No,
0: they – and and I do – one of the things that I loved in doing my research for – Y'all, Maddie
1: was just week. a
0: little nerd this week. And I did <laughs> I intentionally
1: tell her I went too hard for the past three weeks. And I told yeah. her, I said, I, I'm not I, – I we need to do something where I'm not going to have to research and then Maddie, I'm so proud of her. She went I was feral. Like, she literally, director's commentary is such a me vibe. And really Maddie is. literally watched the director's commentary, slash director's commentary as in the boys of Holes. Yeah. Watched I, it. I and think if you're, listen, just you your.
0: Listen. She shouted a lot. Absolutely read Holes. You should absolutely watch the film. And then if you ingest any other form of media, you should. It's on YouTube, it's free, it's very easy to find. It's all of the actors who played the the young men of the film holes just doing an audio commentary over the entire film. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever listened to. It's basically them giving you behind the scenes stuff. But they're all like fifteen? They're all fifteen max. And they're and they're just boys. They're like, they're such teens. And my favorite part of it is like Every time, every time some, like, girl comes on screen, like, when Sigourney Weaver comes on screen, I've never, like, I've never felt like Sigourney Weaver was hotter than listening to these, like, 15-year-old boys being like, oh, my God, oh, she's so fine, oh, like it is, they are simping so hard over every as woman in this film. They should, as they should, as they should. Do they freak out about Patricia Arquette? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I they even love freak it. out about
1: Eartha Kitt.
0: I love it.
1: These boys, no, it's taste. so.
0: No, they do, they really do. And they give like really, really I think because they're so young, they're not super media trained. Sure. And so they're giving like their very unfiltered opinion about the filming process. And even though it sounds like it was a pain in the ass, like it was really hot and they got sunburned. And then and they, they had were, like, to train for how many weeks
1: you were telling? They me? had to train
0: for like six weeks at a boot camp in order like in order to like sustain the heat mm-hmm. and in order like There's, like, this one shot where there's, like, a wind. There's, like, a tornado Mm -hmm. kind of happening in the background. That's, like, real. They basically had to stop filming and, like, jump in a van at least once or twice a day because the weather conditions were so insane while filming. Mm -hmm. And even in spite of all of that, all of them are so excited. Like, they just – they love this film so much. They were so excited to – work with these actors, they had such a good time. Mm -hmm. And they were so proud of what they put out into the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really cool. It makes it even more of an enjoyable watch to know Mm -hmm. that the young actors had such a good time making the movie.
1: I always find it so interesting when the production of something knows how to prep the actors before a movie begins such as because like I don't know no one's ever filmed a movie about under boys digging under holes and age and, like all yeah. these kids I'm guessing are under 18 and yeah. they're like how do we prep these children to be in these really harsh possibly dangerous conditions okay let's have a boot camp. like I just I don't know I always find that really Um, interesting but um, one thing I was going to say is just that the amount of star power that they get is incredible and um, do you want to tell the story of how Sigourney Weaver came to be
0: on Holes famously all of them kind of came to Holes in, in really unique ways but Sigourney Weaver has my favorite one where she was a I mean she'd done Alien she'd done Ghostbusters she was a She was a highfalutin lady at this point, and it wasn't until her daughter read the book Holes and was like, "Mom, I read this book in school, and there's this lady who's a warden, and she has red hair, and she's just like you. You, you have to play her, Mom. Mom, you have to play her, and that's how Sigourney Weaver came into the part. And I i'm thinking of like who else could have played it and i don't know well the person i keep accidentally saying is susan sarandon but i i think visually sure but essence wise no no No. so courtney weaver was meant to play the warden she was she was meant to play the warden I think Patricia Arquette was meant to play Kissing Kate Barlow. Absolutely. Who, I would like to be the first
1: person to say, Lily Reinhart looks like a young Patricia Arquette. (gasps) Patricia Arquette, absolutely. I'm not saying she's a Kissing Kate. I am saying she looks like a young Patricia Arquette. Um, And you heard it here first,
0: folks.
1: Yeah, I've seen her. First, folks. I've actually seen her compared to Brittany Murphy before, but I... Stand by young Patricia Arquette, way more.
0: Oh, um, way
1: more. Nor. So I think this is a nice time, maybe, and we'll bop back in and out of talking about the t- um, film, but to talk about the context of this movie coming out on oh my God. Disney and, in 2003. 2003. Maddie, what were the other movies for the peers of, or what were the other movies coming out? for the same children who were watching holes because y'all holes was a very um intellectually a- interesting film yes and it was just shoved into the same lineup of like one of the air movies Kids 3d Sp- game over yeah um what other ones? Do, uh, Agent Cody Banks was one. Oh, my gosh. Um, the Peter Pan with the boy that everyone had their the sexual awakenings
0: with. Peter Pan. I know. Jeremy Sumpter. Yes.
1: Which it was also a, a horrible year seen.
0: for rom-coms coms <laughs> that we discovered. But like like Eloise at the Plaza came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, Brother
1: Bear, secondhand lions. cheaper, But Freaky Friday came out um cat in the hat um dakota let's... dakota fanning I'm dakota fanning um what a girl wants a lizzie wow. mcguire movie and literally on disney channel i feel like they were like they would all right free play first play guys all... we're gonna be watching brother Here's bear a,
0: Friday and a
1: double feature literally brother bear in holes And those freaking people who ran, like, Disney Channel did not blink. So, Holes being a very (laughs) complex, dark, like, but also beautiful film was on
0: Disney Channel all the time. All the time. And I do think that, I I think that, like, when you say Holes, you're like, okay, Disney's Holes. Like, if you're, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm an adult. Yes, you are. It's not funny. I'm an adult. Mm-mm. I think if you are an adult who has not revisited holes in a long time, I fully recommend it. I I think the the acting is phenomenal. I think the story is incredible. I think the music is exceptional. I think it should be adapted into a musical. Famously,
1: we <laughs> famously. how much time have we spent Maddie discussing Holes Named the Musical. Holes the,
0: the musical. Holes, So
1: famously. Famously. Um, it was Maddie's we... initial idea. <laughs> Full credit.
0: When did, at what point in the film did this come up? Holes the Musical. I don't know. It was probably at one I point feel where like they was
1: digging holes.
0: I was just, I think a, a sort of running joke in, in, in the things that we watch is could this be a musical? And which. This... should be a. This this should be a segment of the podcast. Is could this be a musical? And the answer is yes. Is like yes, like
1: Princess Bride. I I bet they I don't, tried to turn that into a musical. I don't know. I think I it's say, better a film. I say gnar, but Ghibli films no no. Um, which actually there are some save, stage adaptations to it, but holes she, then holes the as once she pitched and I know famously y'all controversial opinion Hamilton the musical is good. I don't yeah, think it reinvented duh. musicals. Then I think people need to calm down. But Lin-Manuel, but I need you to start bad. listening now. Don't don't listen to what I just said. I yeah. think Lin-Manuel Miranda or whoever is going to be the next one. Lin, Lin, go make your Disney movies.
0: I want the Maybe. next Lin-Manuel Miranda yes. to come up. I want the up. L-Y-N-N. I, I, want I want the, the Lin-Manuel Miranda. I
1: want... The 19-year-old who no one at parties will talk to because he's too excited about music, who yeah. is so ready to make Holes the musical to <laughs> jump on a call with us and let's make Holes the musical. Like, okay, <laughs> Sorry, guys, I feel thanks. like that's such a deep cut. But you know okay, that kid who's no, so nerdy like, you know, that no one wants to get guys, him started okay, about but music. Like,
0: guys, have you ever heard of Stomp? Okay, with the trash cans. Yes, like think about just okay. Yes, like also just on like a on like a uh, uh, like a a production level. The setting just being a barren wasteland. Maybe occasionally a barren wasteland with some rocks, and these like the the boy. It's like Little Orphan Annie. It's a hard knock life. Literally, go all you need. Shovels. <laughs> but the
1: Most of the cost is probably going to be figuring out a way as,
0: like, the creative designer on how to dig the holes in the show. But <gasps> this is what I wanted to tell you. What? Sarah Kim, fan, a uh, friend of the podcast, Sarah Kim, I was talking to her about this. I was talking to her about holes, and she was like, I have seen a stage play. Of holes, and it was bad because you can't dig holes on a stage. But and that—that that was a really important part, <laughs> and it made me laugh really hard. That's okay. <laughs> that is a really important part, and I didn't think of that. But, but it, no, no, no. But I think we could figure it out. I think we could figure no, it out. no. no like no. especially if you had like a sort of, and they were already in the holes, and you. I think, I think that's an easy, and also it being I, a musical, it's different.
1: No, I think budget, if the budget all goes into taking out the floor hole of a theater. <laughs> no, 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 Yeah. You, just, you no, take taking out, out the floor, floor of the, yeah. the theater and then you have to honestly build a new, yeah, that is actually really funny that no, the like, whole out, problem of holes, <laughs> it's a musical, <laughs>
0: Is that you can't dig holes in a stage? (laughs) But you know what? We can figure it out. I'm thinking even like, okay, so like say we use like an LED screen Mm. as like our way of getting around this. Like I'm thinking that final scene where Stanley and Zero are stuck in the Kissing Kate Barlow cave Mm -hmm. hole with all the lizards. (laughs) And we've got everybody, shut up, we've got everybody above them we've got everybody above them. (laughs) I'm just About
1: these poor actors on stage not able to take holes and holes.
0: No, 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 no. But, like, but what if this one is, like, it's, like, it's, like, a sectioned-off set piece, and, like, it's rolled on, and, like, our actors are in... We're basically getting, like, a Mm cross-section of a hole, Mm -hmm. and so we're looking dead on at Zero and Stanley with the lizards. Mm-hmm. And like um if you're in the on <laughs> if you're in the ensemble um and holds the musical, you do have to play one of the lizards. And like the puppets. They're like a yeah. like, puppets. And you go eight nine ten, ten. one two puppet, eleven puppet, 12, puppet, twelve twelve puppet, spotted lizards. Puppet, puppet, puppet. And then like, we didn't Onions. write the music. No. <laughs> Maddie and I were talking. No, no, no. Okay, I'm um, then no, no, no. But it's a set piece, and then like, like basically, like it, it's got layers to it, and then yeah. and then like the um, the warden and Mr. Pendanski and Mr. Sir are like above this cross section, oh. so they're like on top, and like we're getting a cross section of the whole, yeah, from a front view. Yeah, that's that's really my good. pitch. Yes. But I don't. Okay, so like if any producers who are looking to fund a musical are listening to this podcast and you're like wow this is really brilliant we want to hear more please email lonely girls podcast yes
1: please um please call our agents and managers famously yes we're
0: ready to talk about holes musicals and we're always ready we're always talking about holes i do think I, mean, I know this is a joke, but it's also not. No, it's not and a I joke. It's a really a good idea. Musical. I think wholesome musical would be great. I think a bunch of kids and uh, uh, a bunch of kids being like, "I stole a puppy. I have. I'm paranoid. I. My name is Armpit. I think it's like." One
1: thing that (laughs) (laughs) you're, guys, Maddie and I also were talking about how, like, as creative collaborators, we're, like, just so thankful for one another and Mm -hmm. just, like, blah, 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 except we just will never write
0: a musical together. We should never write a
1: musical together. No
0: one, no one ever let us do this. Someone take this idea from us, please. But but, but please make it because I think it would sweep at the Tony's. I'm miming mean Oh, I learned how to sweep. We learned how to mime sweeping. Sweeping at <laughs> the
1: Tonys. Anyways, I feel like we went on a little bit of a tangent. <laughs> Just a little
0: bit of a tangent. So, so now this is a, a podcast about the lonely girls. It's called famously Lonely Girls. The Lonely Girls. And so sometimes we like to look at things through. What, Rebecca? Um. So it's this little thing called famously the lonely girl lens wow um and not to be like um not to cut corners or anything but I do think everyone and I know you think everyone in this entire book slash film is a lonely girl Mm. through and through through and through I mean some of my favorite lonely girls I, I mean I let's see would you
1: like to pick one and I'll just Pick one. I'll, I'm gonna start talking. Me, um, <laughs> okay. zero. I want to talk about zero. <gasps> okay, yeah, I want to talk about zero too. I so one of the things that zero isn't they, someone that we've like really specifically been talking talked about, about a lot, but yeah. he's pretty much the secondary protagonist.
0: He is so, and he is like, if we saw it from his perspective, it would be just as interesting. Kind of yeah, he, because he's just as involved in this story in the whole plot as yeah, but, generationally so as Stanley. So
1: once Stanley gets there, we learn everybody in the camp and the the casting kind of helps fill them out as different humans because the the book doesn't exactly fill out all of these different boys into individuals, but Zero is the other person who the book is emphasizing, this person is important. And yeah. part of his importance is he's called Zero. And they say nothing is going on in this kid's head. And that is why he doesn't say anything. And it turns well, out. we learn yes. his,
0: his name is Zero because his last name is Zeroni. Ooh. And he's the great, great, great grandson of Madame Zeroni. And, and we get this beautiful uh, cinematic performance perfection Mm -hmm. perfection where at the end uh zero runs away because he's being mistreated as he should run away from mistreatment stanley goes after him they survive in the desert for like a week maybe Mm -hmm. it's a long time i think that's the thing that the film doesn't do as well is like showcase how difficult their survival is And how, like, kind of close to death they genuinely were Mm -hmm. at times. But Zero gets sick off of these preserved peaches that he has to drink in order to survive. And in order to make it, they go to this place called God's Thumb. And there's water there. And Stanley carries Zero Up the mountain.
1: Which, famously, we're going to... I mean, we really only have, I think, two major bones to pick with the film. But I guess we might as well just bring up one of them. We
0: might as well get into some... We might as well dig in. One of the reasons we love the book and the film, Holes, famously, is it doesn't treat
1: the audience like they're stupid. It gives us all the information. Mm. And you can put together all of these pieces as quickly or as slowly as you want to as a child, it yes. took me a very long time. Uh, It'll to, be something that you to you're like, have everything oh. fall into
0: place. You're like, wait, now I'm 10 and I'm just getting this? <laughs> That's crazy. But in the film, there is
1: this cheap moment where Stanley is carrying Zero up the mountain
0: as um, his great-grandfather yes. yes his great great his great great pig stealing great-great-grandfather great, great, great was grand- supposed to carry
1: Madame Zeroni up so then there is like this voiceover of it's
0: Madame zaroni's
1: um, yeah eartha it's eartha
0: it's eartha kit and she's like <laughs> and then you must carry Madame Zeroni at the mountain and it's <laughs> and it's over him carrying zero up and
1: then both of us were on the phone and we were like and we're like hate boo. this. <laughs> hate this. Because it's like the whole time, one of the beautiful things about holes is that it treats the kids like they're intelligent enough to figure it out. Yeah. Whether they figure it out fast or slow. Um, I was one of the ones that I had to be Reveal had to actively happen for me to realize it's okay.
0: <laughs> that it's okay. That, uh, uh, people it grow, happening. people change, people grow, people, people grow, change. People, ch- people change. But, um, but yeah, and then I
1: guess let's just do our other bone to pick. What is that song called when kissing
0: Kate Barlow comes through okay. the town? It's like, okay, so the music in Holes 98% of the time is like awesome, awesome. it's like genuinely like sickening for a children's film however there are two musical beats one happens when kissing Kate Barlow played by Patricia Arquette and Sam played by Dulé Hill mm-hmm. is so hot oh my god so hot uh have their romantic kissing scene in the schoolhouse when it's raining mm-hmm. And, um, there's just like a woman singing and she's like, this is the best kiss. <laughs> That's not what it sound like, but that is my pitch for holes. The musical yeah. <laughs> that I've ever had. And it's bad and it's really bad. It's, it's like, I want to be the Dixie chicks, sorry, just the chicks. And it's not. And then the second bone to pick is a moment where after Sam has died, unfortunately, very traumatizing, and Patricia Arquette, aka Kissing Kate Barlow, decides it's time for me to become the woman, it's time for me to girl boss Slay Hunty. And it's after and her
1: love was killed, um, in because of inner because of racism, interracial because of racism, one yeah. interracial kiss
0: happens. And just a, to just a kiss all hell and breaks. Sam loose. and the, the schoolhouse that he spent months rebuilding mm-hmm. must be burnt down, and Sam must be murdered. And his, oh my God, and the donkey. That is like
1: when yeah. they shoot
0: the donkey. I was like, this is not a kid's film. So in and they show it on
1: Disney Channel, y'all. But one I know. thing Maddie and I were talking about that's so interesting is for one perfect casting of Patricia Arquette is that Ugh. she gets to play her like womanly, warm feminine and then She's she like, gets to play Sam. then she gets to play crazy and the little switch she
0: does is fantastic. Because it's not, it's not overt. It's very subtle. It's very subtle, but I do think, like, to be able
1: to pull off someone who plays a gentle school teacher all of a sudden to a murderess, murder, yeah. yeah, a murderess, it's a ro- a ro- a robber, a murderess. robber, yeah. But I just think, um, Kate Barlow loses all faith in humanity. And, um, and she loses it. She like literally loses it. And I think she has nothing else to lose to the point that she grabs a lizard when she's ready to die. And um, because when she is being held up at gunpoint and they're like, tell us where you buried it. And she laughs she's at like him. you
0: and your children and your children's children. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm going to use my cat as a prop. Yes. You and your children and your children's children. You got this. We'll search, will search this, uh, and you'll never find it. And they don't. That's the crazy
1: thing. That's the thing. And then that's like another generational curse that's laid. Can you hear him purring? Wait. Mm-mm. You can't hear that? No. Oh, yeah. Now I can. Are you on the podcast?
0: (laughs) Are you on the podcast? Are you on the podcast? Oh, my God, my baby. He's so smart. He's so sweet and smart. Okay, so those were
1: our two bones to pick. But anyways, the Lonely Girl Lens, I think even the concept of the kind of people who would set up Camp Green Lake and then the kids who are then forced to be a part of that institution. I think it takes a very lost person to yeah. begin that. And also one thing we said in uh, Sir Gorny, freaking weaver, that final scene where she realizes she will never get I to know. see what it's her devastating. whole devastating. Oh my gosh. Her whole family has been their whole and I like said this her and grandpa. then i grandpa. Her grandpa. And I agree with myself. In what I said two days ago, <laughs> I don't know how other people say things and not just say it like that. Like, and I agree no, I with myself. I think
0: more's I think more people should say things like that. Yeah,
1: I don't know how I don't know how normal because I use mean honestly it. they'd probably like reference like myself. a
0: stupid like uh, I don't know like a philosopher. Or yeah, something, sure. Like Whatever. no, actually this is me. It's just me, and I said it two days ago, and I still agree with it.
1: Is that she almost has taken on this religious fervor in the sadness of like, she's almost become like a religious zealot because what she's doing to these boys is not okay. But she has literally drank
0: her own Kool Aid. And the the point that she's, anyway, she's drank her own rattlesnake poison. And um, famously, I was doing my nails when we were prepping for this episode. And, and I was doing my nails while we were watching the episode. So we
1: are in Warden Zone.
0: No, yeah. So, so let's dig ourselves out of this hole. Uh, this conversation hole. No, this, this, this. Honestly, this hasn't, this hasn't really been a hole. If anything, I feel like we've uncovered, buried treasure, treasure. in this podcast episode. I. It it feels like there isn't really that much to say besides what a great film. What a great film. What a great book. Mm -hmm. What a great
1: story. And And I think the execution of it,
0: y'all, if you're
1: listening to this and you have never experienced holes and you're like, this doesn't appeal to me, I think the execution is why we're speaking so passionately about it. And I don't know if – like. I even forgot about how well it was executed, and that is something that I'm going to reemphasize as we're wrapping
0: this up. It is a lonely yeah. girl tale.
1: Um, it is,
0: and it in an in it is a it's an easy read. It's an easy watch, and both are satisfying. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of Western storytelling is based on a sort of like. Long-standing history of mythology mm-hmm. that sort of informed the, the the storytelling, like tropes and norms that we're used to, and I feel like Holes is really the best representation. It just feels like a really American book. Yes. In a, and in a way that I'm like, I'm I'm proud to have this be American literature and American storytelling. Mm-hmm. It feels very, it's very real and dynamic. And, yeah, it's very distinctly American. And that often isn't a thing that I feel great about. Mm-hmm. But I do with Holes. And so I think if that's something that you're interested in and searching for, you should watch, read Holes. You should read, then watch. Yeah. And then... Read, watch, and then watch
1: the boys watch Holes.
0: Yeah, um, exactly.
1: Yes. Famous. It's worth
0: it. Yes. Rebecca, did you, um? wait, did you come up with, um? did you come up with a nickname for me? Oh, shoot. Can I tell you the one that I came up with for you? It's not that clever. Oh, gosh. So in the movie Holes, sorry. So in the book Holes. Yeah the way that the campers identify one another, which I think is really interesting. The psychology of that is super interesting. We didn't get into it, but it is very similar to the uh, system of introducing people into prisons, into brothels, into any sort of situation where your personal identity is stripped and you are given something nickname. Um, In the book Holes, all of the campers And even the adults have nicknames. They don't go by their actual names. Stanley goes by caveman. There's X-ray, magnet, zigzag, barf bag, twitch, mom, Mom, Mr. Sir, the warden. Uh, And so I tasked Rebecca with coming up with a nickname for me. Mm-hmm. And I would come up with a nickname for her. And the nickname that um I came up with for her is Tiny Baby. Oh. <laughs> Which. Like, if I was like, I was like, get up, Tiny Baby. <laughs> and
1: famously, famously, like, if I really love someone, then their name is Tiny. Like, if I know Maddie is calling yeah. me because she's sad, I don't answer and yeah. go, hey,
0: Maddie. I go, Hey, tiny. Hi, tiny. Hey, Tiny. Because you're just hey, a tiny, tiny baby. little baby. So, yeah, I, I think your full nickname would be Tiny Baby. Mm-hmm. And then in sort of more casual situations, I'd call you Tiny. Oh, mm, that's really good. Yeah.
1: I, I think I would call Maddie Wonderkid because you could say it in a really complimentary way. Maddie and oh, I once get, were on like, the roof. Really yeah, exactly. I could say it in a really mean way. Or like, okay, Wonderkin. Okay, Wonderkin. But, um, No, Maddie and I once got on the phone, and we were like, three adjectives, three adjectives, and Mm -hmm. mine just had to do with how I'm very emotional. She said passionate Mm -hmm. and then emotional, and then something else, I think, to do with all of my feelings. Do you remember what they were?
0: No, I said, I was like, you're passionate, you're,
1: like, loyal, and you're, like, determined. And all of those are very emotion-based, and then I started off then i went next and i told maddie she was stubborn and she goes hey i started i did i was really nice and i was like no no like i stubborn is not i mean it's not always a good thing but i stubborn is yeah, not necessarily yeah but sometimes a bad it can thing. be okay yeah but it's like wonder kid
0: okay so, so i like think? that i like so you can be tiny and i'll be wonder kid tiny and wonder kid
1: that's cute I think so too that's did actually a good job. that's
0: adorable I like that that feels really right that we're just we're just small and smart yes. small and smart and if you want to be like tiny and genius along with us um go ahead and um just like type into your search engines no preference uh, the Lonely Girls podcast mm-hmm. and whatever comes up is the one that you should subscribe to. If yes. you care about me specifically, if you care about this little wonderkin specifically, uh, you can do at Turner Madeline on Instagram and at Madeline Turner on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And then if you're wanting to follow me,
1: Rebecca Botter at Instagram and Botter Rebecca on TikTok and you Definitely need to be following the Lonely Girls podcast. And please, 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 please rate it. I don't know what it does except make me happy when I see the rating go from this many five stars
0: to another amount of five stars. And we're kind of really unhappy. So so if you – if our happiness depends on you, Mm -hmm. so do it. And then famously, this episode was – Edited by... Edited by our lovely producer, Darcy Brown. Hi, Darcy. And our theme song is by none other than Vanessa Carlton. Lonely girls, as always, remember to stay lonely, but not alone. Bye. Okay, bye. Sweet sad songs.
1: Sweet sad songs. So